probably brush your teeth every day, hopefully even twice a day as part of a good health regimen. It's really only in the last century that brushing on a daily basis has been adopted by the masses. It was slow to evolve as a habit, even though it's obviously good for us. It was in the 1870s the first commercially produced toothpaste was produced by Colgate. It was sold in a jar and a complete commercial flop. Toothpaste was flavorless at the time and tooth decay extremely common. When you're smiling, when you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. So most marketing focused on the fact you need to brush your teeth for health reasons. But that didn't work. Then the marketing narrative shifted to brush your teeth so you'll look better. But that didn't really work either. Then around 1914, Pepsodent took a page from what the ancient Egyptians had figured out thousands of years earlier. They added some mint flavoring and targeted their marketing to dentists so they could convince their patients. Ta-da! The mint flavoring made people feel like their mouth was cleaner and having dentists, the subject matter experts, make the pitch to consumers, that was the magic elixir to a daily habit. Shifting human habit on a mass scale. That's the essential challenge of developing public relations and marketing for Web3 technologies. If you're working to support a Web3 company, there's a whole new customer acquisition framework. Tokens replace traditional marketing, and the concept of customer is different, including not only users, but developers, investors, and partners. Today on Stories and Strategies, PR and marketing support for a world where if you're on the white list, you're approved for the NFT Mint, as long as you get there on time and can afford the gas fee. My name is Doug Downs, music off the top, Billy Holiday from 1938, When You're Smiling. Written by Larry Shea, Mark Fisher, and Joe Goodwin. My guest this week is Robert Lund. Hi, Robert. Hello. And you're joining us today, Robert, from Manhattan. Uh, it's April, so easy question, Yankees or Mets? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm European, so I would say n- not nothing to do with baseball. I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> not I, your jam. Baseball. I don't understand how it's a sport. I can, I, I do understand like the historic references and the culture and everything. I don't really get how it's a sport because like your people are standing around watching and then throwing a ball once every twenty five minutes. Right. Whereas you know, with <laughs> with what you would call football, that's just nonstop action, right? And cricket is just heart thumping nonstop, nonstop. I'm not going to die on any hill for cricket, I can tell you that. But, <laughs> but when it comes to, to soccer, yeah, that's a, that's the, that's a sophisticated sport. Now, I guess it's just a cultural difference. But no, I, I think the police are, um, are rooting for the Yankees and everyone else is rooting for the Mets. That's what I've heard on the streets, but I don't know if that's true either. <laughs> I'd love to see a showdown in the World Series between the two. Robert, you're the co-founder of Studio TBD, which focuses on a couple of things. Cannabis-infused edibles, which is not our focus today, and Web3. And by the way, those two business lines will explain, they, they, they do have a commonality. 
especially when it comes to PR and marketing. Mm. And, and we'll explain that toward the end of this episode. Uh, you have director level experience with a number of marketing agencies in New York overseeing work created for brands like Chevrolet, Volvo, Ikea, Reebok, and UNICEF. So first, Robert, um, let's define what Web3 actually is. Mm. Well, first of all, I think it's, it, it's, it's important to say that it's early. Uh, it's it's more of an experiment than a category, I would say, even though it has a market cap over a trillion. But um, basically, it, it's it's a sort of category name that has evolved from, first of all, it was just crypto and blockchain. And then there was different currencies. So people started talking about crypto. And then NFTs sort of bursted onto the scene, non-fungible tokens. And that's where I think the the word Web3 started to get used more and more. So basically what my interpretation of it uh, is that it's anything that is based on the blockchain. So if you have, if you have a, if you have a business or a project uh, that is based on the blockchain, that is usually what people refer to as Web3. It's a more, it's a broader category name than than just cryptocurrencies or or some of the more siloed uh, parts of it is what I would say. Okay, and these days I'm hearing, I'm seeing so many PR and marketing professionals on LinkedIn on their websites when I meet them, you know, handing out business cards that they are a PR and or marketing professional for Web3, mm. differentiating the service for Web3. So simple question, is PR and or marketing specific for Web3? Is it any different from what I would call public relations and marketing? Hmm. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> um, I think that's a... It's a simple question that has a very, very complex answer. And also because it's evolving, it's not really clear exactly how that answer ends up. But I could do some metaphors for you. Okay. Um, you know, when uh, I, I, I come from an advertising background, so I've dealt a lot with all kinds of marketing. Uh, I've been a strategic designer, creative director, copywriter. I've dealt a lot with PR firms, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I'm, I'm old enough to have been part of this for so long that it has changed, right? And when I came onto the industry in 2007, um, basically it was like the, the the land of microsites. It was a lot of campaign sites, microsites, and then it was then it turned into social media after that. And and what's important to remember is like before that, like it went from no internet at all to banners and microsites. And before that, it went from like out of home print and radio to television. And I know that in America. It's TV ads has been running since the 50s. But in Northern Europe, uh, where we had state television for a long time, it was kind of a new thing in the 90s. So every time, and what, what happens, what seems to happen every time that there is a shift in technology where you can do marketing and or PR, um, there is all these experts that all of a sudden show up from nowhere. So back in the 90s in, in Sweden, um, there were TV creatives. And then towards the end of the 90s, they were, you know, um, web creatives and web producers. And then it became social media managers, social media producers and social media creatives. Right. And, and I'm sure in the PR world, it's the same thing. It's like if there's a new technology 
the you the clients that have the money they're a bit confused and they want to listen to someone and that's a great opportunity for new people to break into the business and sometimes those speciality sort of roles are needed over a period of time but you would never find an agency in the world now that has a set of tv creatives so these are our tv creatives and these are the other creatives like that that sounds <laughs> right. ludicrous but i guarantee you that we're going to see web3 creatives and web3 pr people and web3 etc etc so is it needed maybe uh it it might be needed for a time to just to make everything sort of normal, if that makes sense. In an essence, if you are good at marketing or PR, I don't think that you need uh, specific experts in Web3. But like with everything else, you need to know what it is and you need to follow it and need to understand how it evolves so that you can do a good job um, in the environment that's at hand, basically. So essentially, you're taking your existing communication skills learning how they can and should be used in a specific industry and perhaps learning not just the lingo, but but the some of the cultural shift that is taking place in what I'll call the blockchain world. That's the essentials mm. to PR and marketing for Web3. Am I, do I have that basically right? I think so. Uh, I, it's moving. It's also something that's moving so fast. So I think that, you know, the old ways of doing things might apply to a certain extent, but you would have to update in in some other areas. And exactly where this is going, nobody knows yet. Nobody knows. Right. I mean, right. there are a lot of people who are saying, this is going to be in the future, but they don't know. Nobody knows. That's like, and that's, I think, for me as a creative, that's my happy place. I like that. You know, when I don't know what's going to happen, that's a good place to be in. Whereas, you know, if you're a, you're an account manager at a PR firm, or you are um, the the marketing director of a of a brand. That might not be the best place mentally to be in, but for a creative, that should be your happy place. So it depends a little bit where you know who you are. And I feel like when it comes to to Web three, it's 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 severely misunderstood, right? Even by the experts, I would say. podcasting. Now there's an idea. You listen to podcasts. Maybe a podcast is right for you or one of your clients. Stories and Strategies is a full podcast production company with clients in the United States, as well as Canada, Great Britain, and Australia. If you want to chat, send me an email, doug at storiesandstrategies.ca, and we'll set up that chat. Let's talk podcasts. Some listening will have specific opinions about cryptocurrency, uh, perhaps NFTs, maybe even blockchain or Ethereum. Uh, and, and those beliefs may be, oh, no, 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 this is hocus pocus, too risky. Not look at look at the market right now. Right. I've, mm. I'm holding Ethereum. It's not going well. I can tell you that uh, at this specific moment in time. Others will say, well, just look at what blockchain actually is. It's mm. inevitable that it's going to be the future. I've always kind of felt that it will be the big banks that are going to fight cryptocurrency probably for the rest of, of my working life, only to eventually capitulate because they will adopt and take a stake 
in blockchain technology somehow in a way that they can make money from it. So I'm it, to, to capture that, I think the big banks see blockchain as the ultimate threat right now because they're not ready and it's too democratic for them. They'll find a way to, to make a stake uh, and lay a claim and ultimately make money from it. Do you see the same or how do you see it unfolding? And I get it. Nobody actually knows. Well, I think it's an interesting take and, and uh, it's probably not wrong. Um, we're already seeing it a little bit. I mean, the, the hedge funds who are, at least in my opinion, um, sort of the pioneers of finance industry, uh, they get a lot of, you know, a lot of hate from, from media and, and from certain people, but because they don't do anything, they just invest. That's not really true. They, they, do, they do not produce any goods of value. But they push the boundaries on what finance, the finance industry is. And so without hedge funds, you wouldn't have Robinhood today, for example. Right. So the hedge funds are the ones who are usually, or at least in the last like 20, 30 years, the one that's been mostly pushing the boundaries to change the financial industries. And then the bigger banks follow and like sort of take over parts of what the hedge fund industry actually figures out. So... I'm simplifying a lot. There's there's probably finance people out there that are like, mm, it's not that easy, buddy. And and no, it's not, but sort of. And I, I see the same thing happening with, with blockchain. We're already, already seeing hedge fund funds come in and investing heavily in blockchain and not really saying anything. So if they're doing it and they're pushing the boundaries and they're starting to play with it and create new schemes of investment within it, I'm sure big banks are going to follow. But of course, I mean, big banks, they, they, they basically, they're run their, the most profitable thing for them is as if nothing ever changed and people keep, keep right. giving them they're money, doing well. basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So are they, are they going to fight it? Certain, certain parts of it? I think yes. Um, it's the same thing as like, but you, there's also this thing like, you know, were, were the newspapers fighting the internet? Maybe not hard enough, you know, <laughs> maybe they didn't adapt hard enough. That's like, a good so analogy. it's a little bit, it's a little bit like, all right, we don't need to fight. Let's just ridicule it for like 10 years or something. You know, that's also a weapon. They just red, ridicule it and go, oh, that's, 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 that's not real money or whatever. And then they just keep doing their thing. So I think it's going to be a mix of things. I also think that there's a big misunderstanding in, in where, which might help to sort of understand a little bit the, the, the power struggles here. And I think it's a little bit of a misunderstanding in where blockchain or Web3 actually is in terms of its, its uh, evolution. And uh, I hear a lot of people are, um, comparing it to the dot-com basically the the second half of the 90s like i hear things saying people saying oh we're like uh where where the internet were in like 1997 or or something like that and i i i don't see it i don't agree with that i think i think blockchain and web3 right now is sort of where personal computing was in 1982 um there was because if you look at the the end of the 90s everyone was sort of doing the same thing it's like, all right, we have these computers, like there's big industrial computers and in, in, in big companies and IBM are making them for, for big industrial companies and hospitals and stuff like that. And then we have Dell and Microsoft and, and, um, and Apple, obviously, that made a lot of personal computing. And I'm forgetting some big players here. But, and that was like the environment. And then you build things online using that. 
knowing that that's what people had as tools to access the things that you were building online. Right now, in, in, in the blockchain, I think is more akin to, to the beginning of the 80s, where people didn't really know what computing was going. Hmm. Like, there was a ton of startups in Texas that's completely forgotten. There's a ton of startups all over the world that had their take on personal computing. That was completely right or completely wrong, or they, they failed for one reason or the other. Some people were like, well, the screen is more important than the computer. Like some people went all in on size and some people went all in on portability and some people went all in on different, it was wide, it was wild. It was a lot of different things that were happening. And a lot of these companies got funded, they went up a little bit and then they crashed because you know they couldn't deliver whatever they said that they wanted to deliver. And that's what I see in blockchain a lot. It's like, it's a lot of wild idea, wild ideas that are, very very different in nature like we have on the avalanche blockchain which i find to be one of the more interesting ones for for mass adoption they tokenize a lot of physical things that's like their game so they tokenize the real estate market in florida for example mm-hmm. so you there are companies onto the avalanche blockchain that uh offer you to invest in certain weird slices of of real estate so you can invest in like one building, like a skyscraper that is built somewhere in Tampa, for example, or you invest almost like in a mutual fund, like a tokenized mutual fund almost uh, of a specific type of house all over Miami. So like two family houses all over Miami. That's what we have in this token bucket. So that's like that's one thing that's it's a huge business that nobody talks about. Ever. Hmm. I never see that in the press, but I see a lot of talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, and board apes and NFTs. So there's a lot of stuff that's happening, and we don't know what's going to work. We don't know which of these companies or projects are going to be the Microsoft, Dells, and Apples of tomorrow. And that's the game. So I think that we're, it's so early that people don't understand how early it is, if that makes sense. And, and this is understanding at least the drivers of that is what will make someone who says they specialize PR marketing for Web3, that is what will make them truly special. They'll have the disciplines yeah. of PR and marketing, but understanding components of how this business is changing will help them. Um, lastly, I, I mentioned your firm has two business streams, uh, Web3 mm-hmm. and cannabis-infused edibles, which seem, you know, whoa, completely, but they're not. The, the ultimate goal here is to change the narrative. Mm-hmm. If if you are marketing for either one of these business lines, you, you're trying to establish a cultural change, which is really hard. Yeah. Where I live in Canada's Rocky Mountains, cannabis is a talkable subject. It's, it's legal, heavily regulated, but legal. Listeners uh, in different parts of the world will live in areas where cannabis is not legal and it's mm. a taboo conversation. Uh, dive into that changing the narrative i mean the ultimate challenge for for any communications pro yeah exactly i mean that's the interesting part uh i think the similarities between these two uh industries is are, are everywhere like culturally they're both anti-government decentralization uh right. classic like uh rebelly things um uh they are both a bit shunned by traditionals, traditionalists and the establishment. So those are some, you know, extremely uh, shallow similarities. But there's other things. Both are extremely misunderstood as well. I think both of them are also in the same phase, whereas like 
you know, for, for a long time, maybe 6,000 years, we've been smoking cannabis. And now all of a sudden there's, there's new form factors that we can design the experience around. Same thing with blockchain. Even though blockchain only been around since 2009, um, it's like it's, it was just Bitcoin and then Ethereum for a long, long time. But now all of a sudden it's changing completely. So there's a lot of stuff happening and a lot of things are evolving super fast. So when it comes to changing the narrative, it's like it's almost like and this is actually a, a huge thing that we, we realized in the beginning. It's not about changing the narrative. It's about creating a narrative. Because like the narrative is not around cannabis and around blockchain is not really is not really made by the industry itself. It's made by people on the sidelines. So it's about change. It's not about changing. It's like developing a new narrative. And, and I feel like when it comes to cannabis, for example, the culturally, it's been stuck in rap music and attitude since like the 90s. Cheech and Chong. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like we need to change, like we need to show the world that cannabis can be different things. And I think that's the same thing with blockchain. It's like, well, it's just scams and, and, um, and speculation. It's like, yeah, but if we can make things that actually makes life better for people, uh, like we're tr doing with our cannabis products, then we can show the world like this is actually a good thing. Like you can, this this is really useful for everybody, and I think that's our mission. So it's because they're new or developing industries. It's also like it's not just as traditional as uh, just creating a messaging around it. You actually have to build what you're going to message about, mm -hmm. which is a little bit new. Think about it like the energy drinks, for example. There, there were no energy drinks before Red Bull. Now there's a thousand of them, you know. So it's a little bit the same thing. It's like we have to build it and then we can start like fidgeting with narrative, you know. Chase them until they catch you. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Robert, thank you so much for your time today. I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting topic to talk about. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Robert Lund, we have the email address in the show notes. Stories and Strategies is a co-production of JGR Communications and Stories and Strategies podcasts. Our little podcast is growing significantly, and I appreciate you for listening and helping it grow. One favor, if I could, would you mind leaving us a four or five star rating? That It doesn't actually help the algorithm, to, to be honest. Um, it doesn't make the podcast more searchable. What it does is when someone sees those ratings and they see the number of them, it convinces them that this is a podcast worth listening to. Thank you for listening. <laughs>